South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. OG. Oh my. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadiumscene.tv network, and I am emotionally exhausted right now. Uh, We are coming to you right after the end of Game 3, right after OG Ananobi hit an incredible half-second buzzer beater to win this game, to seal a must-win game. This, the tone of this is probably going to be the polar opposite of the Game 2 recap, which you can find on the TSV podcast, but I'm hoping for a little a little more brighter spirit. So let's just start on that note. Joining me from the TSV podcast, Mr. Toronto Sports View himself, Connor Chambers. What's up, bro? <laughs> just pouring wine. Just pouring wine. This smells beautiful. It's like the sweet taste of victory. Oh, I gotta love it. You know what? You get a nice fucking buzzer beater shot i get the depressing shit on the tsv podcast all right man fuck that all right but you know what i'm glad to be on here i'm glad to be sharing drinks with of course our other little guest on the show which, little uh, guest I love. <laughs> little little guest I will, I will allow you to introduce said sir as I sip on my wine. Uh, we, we have joining us, of course, Mr. Richard Perfer of Pick and Pod. Uh, not a little man. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, whatever. What's up, Rich? How you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm making myself some whey powder now because I'm yeah. a little. <laughs> yeah. Fuck out the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going three scoops now. That's <laughs> my you can, you can mix way with vodka? I didn't know that. Yeah. You guys are nuts. The Raptors are 1-0 since I drank vodka, so we're having more vodka tonight. There you Facts. go. There you Analytics. Go. Can't argue stats. All right. <laughs> um, so, as I said, the tone of this is probably going to be a, a lot more, uh, I don't know, happier, jubilant. I, I, don't, I don't know what word I can use. Enthused, excited, uh, based on ecstasy of the fact that the Raptors just hit a buzzer beater to win this game. This is probably one of the most frustrating Raptors games I've watched all year. I'm going to put that out there before we even break down what happened. But, um, you know, despite the good things, and I'm sure as a result of this, hopes are going to be super high. And, you know, that's natural, of course, with the buzzer beater win or a win in general. Um but I do get a sense of, uh, I don't know, revival when it comes to this series. So, Rich, how are you feeling coming out of this? I know you are you're you have three scoops, man. That's got to be at least 60 grams of protein. Um, how are you feeling, man? Are you good? Are you confident now in the Raptors? Or are you still thinking there's, feel- there's shit they need to clean up? No, I'm so happy. <laughs> I, I, have the, I have OG shot like on Rewind right now in front of me. Um, <laughs> really. I think... Um, and we were talking about this in our DMs before the game ended, and I mentioned how the Raptors played too well in that second half to lose this game. And like I thought, obviously, there were some holes and there were some things to clean up, but the Raptors finally looked like the better team in a half. So like, I don't know how they would have felt if they lost this game. Like 
deflated. Swiss, hopefully. Obviously, some stuff to clean up, but like, fuck it. One day at a time. I'm so happy. Even though I'm a small boy. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Connor? Um, yeah, you know what? They don't ask you how. They ask you how many, right? They, mm. the, the, we, we won this game. Um, Celtics won a really close game in game two. Uh, both of those games could have gone either way. So to come out of both of those games being 1-1, disregarding the first game, um, I think is fair. I think that's a fair result for both team for both teams, given how it was played. Um, there's a lot still for the Raptors to clean up. Uh, we talked about how you led it off with it in the podcast. This was one of the more frustrating Raptors games to watch. Uh, there's reasons why there's frustration underlying in even the one of the craziest victories of the season with one of the best shots to end the game. But um, I scream like a little fucking girl when OG and Obi hit that shot, man. Like that was the pass from Kyle Lowry. The the ability for OG and Obi to get that shot off in half a second over top of a sprawling defender like that to get the arc that he needed to from where he was positioned, zero hesitation. And after all that, the best part was his celly afterwards. Just the fucking big dick energy walks strut through like he's Conor McGregor, but with no emotion. This is basically what it felt like to me. Just like he's done that a hundred times out of a hundred. So, um, look, man, I fucking love this team. Like, I, I hate this team, but I love this team because I know that there are moments that they can give to us like this. So, um, this is when I, I bring out the wine for victories and I save the, the peasant beer for the defeats. So I would gladly crack this bottle of, of wine open for sure. I gotcha. Um, look, it, it's it's gotten to the point where in the beginning of games, the Raptors, at least with this one, came out strong. Uh, they came out playing uh, aggressive and they definitely wanted to to put the the boot on the throat but the problem is is that they're falling back into bad habits and I don't want to sort of focus too much on the bad stuff when it comes to how this game has been played but there are still things that need to be cleaned up to your credit you mentioned it um for the first time all series the Raptors uh were more efficient uh from three than the Celtics by one percent Raptors shot 32 percent from three the Celtics shot 30 one percent from three that still needs to get cleaned up a little bit um otherwise you know with the it's the same thing over and over they weren't making open shots and that's not something you can necessarily coach you draw up plays so they can get into that space you draw up plays so they can have the opportunities to make those shots but if you're not hitting them what are you going to do so I, I, I don't know what else there is to say about the negative things when it comes to the Raptors and again I don't want to focus just too much on that but it does speak to what I was saying to you earlier, that this was such a frustrating game to watch. So, given the fact that this is a buzzer beater, I don't want to be that guy that shits on the parade. All right, let, let's let's celebrate this win. But we're heading into game four, okay? Uh, this team seems a little gassed, at least. You know, I know there's a jolt of energy with the buzzer beater win, but a bunch of their team, members of their team, just played 40-plus minutes. Um... 
Rich, does that concern you heading into Game 4, or do you think this is the type of thing that builds championship DNA and there's no excuses heading forward? You ride this victory. No, no it's playoff basketball. Like, you're going to have to play this, this this many minutes. Like Jalen Brown played 40 minutes. Jason Tatum played 39. Kemba Walker played 39. Smart played 37. You know, there's going to be a ton of minutes. You just got to power through and be ready for the next one. Do your treatment. Um, that's it. There's a pool at in Orlando. <laughs> it, uh, lay off some steam, and you're you're good to go for by game four. What do you think, Connor? I'm not as worried. I think. Look, both teams had to play heavy minutes, and we talked about this before leading into the series. The Celtics team had a lot of heavy minutes on them in that first series. Mind you, granted, it was only four games, just like the Raptors, but those starters were worked a little bit more than our starters. So um, I think this was the first true game that those starters had like do or die playoff minutes where we kind of saw 40 plus from multiple dudes uh, reaching into mid 40s for for a few of them. And and that's when, you know, like Nick, Nick Nurse knew like he had to win this game. Uh, putting his boys out there when when he needed them and and not really giving anybody rest that that rotation seemed to really only be seven um and you know that that's when he understands the importance of this game um i i was i was shitting on him earlier in our in our group chat um but i think that he did make some good adjustments when he needed to in the second half in the first half i i didn't like a few of the things that a few of the decisions that he made um and, and if uh, meaning leaving guys out there for a little bit longer than they should have or um just rotational stuff or or, or using that coach's challenge when i didn't think he was going to win that i understand the importance of it pascal siakam would have been down to three would have been at three fouls at that point mm. i just think that that's a waste and if you uh if, if you have it for a different time like i don't know in this game period when you could have used it differently like looking on it hindsight being 2020 but you still always like to have that in the bag for something that's a little bit less of a certainty that you're not going to win that coach challenge. So um, I will give credit where credit is due. I thought Nick Nurse really stepped it up in the second half. Um, and obviously I don't know who drew up that play. I don't know if it was Nick Nurse or I don't know if it was one of the assistant coaches. I don't know. But whoever drew up that play deserves a lot of credit because it played out to perfection because nobody was paying attention to OG Ananobi. I'm sorry. Even though the defender got to him, um, an amazing effort by the defender. No one was was paying attention to OG. They thought there's no way Kyle makes that cross that, that cross court pass in time for a shot to be to to get off. It just doesn't happen. So uh, kudos to them. Yeah, thankfully yeah. the uh, the clock doesn't start until someone catches the ball. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's always nice. <laughs> yeah, Gad Rich, I cut you off. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. I think you got to give. Nick Nurse a lot of credit because there's a lot of things that changed in that second half. Like you could, you could see how the Raptors changed their defensive schemes. Like they played a little bit more triangle zone, uh, which seemed to have aggravated Jason Tatum. Like Jason Tatum only scored 15 points today. They did a phenomenal job on Tatum, especially when OG was on him. And I mean, you look at Boston; they they're so deadly off the pick and roll. And I feel like that's the most frustrating part. How how many good looks they got off the pick and roll but overall the Raptors did a great job in the second half and obviously the shots start falling like for the game the Raptors shot like one percent higher than the Celtics from the perimeter but I think in the second half they shot like close to 50 percent hmm. and that's the difference right there you 
they started hitting threes and everything changes. Like even Mark Gasol, like he started, he looked a little bit better because when the Raptors hit their threes, it opens up the game. It lets Mark Gasol do a little bit more. We saw a little bit of bad Pascal, but to his credit, we also saw some good Pascal. So hopefully when the Raptors look over tape in the morning, they'll see, okay, this is where Pascal can be successful. This is where he can't be successful to try to put him in that position. You got to give credit to Celtics defense, like with Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. They're like Siakam hasn't been great, but he's also being defended by elite players, and that's no excuse because he's paid to be better than this. But I think the Raptors need to just look through the tape, see where he was successful, see where he wasn't, and try to like just try to learn from every single game. And I think there's a lot of things you can learn from this game, and hopefully clean up some stuff in game four and win another one yeah uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna play i'm gonna play host for a second here i'm yeah, gonna yeah, hijack go your show for a please, second please, and i'm gonna yeah. ask you i'm gonna ask you a question because nobody ever asks you a question give me the night off on, on south of the six <laughs> and i feel like it's i feel like it's i have a i have a duty and obligation to do so yeah yeah so um one question that kind of came to my head and there was one turning point for me in this game where i really thought this is is the raptors opportunity and for me uh, and I don't know if you're thinking about it right now, and if you are, that's great, was when Brad Stevens put in Ennis Cantor. Yes. Do do you think that decision, and obviously you can't isolate it in, in just its own right, but do you think that that was the biggest factor in why the Celtics had lost this game, knowing what had transpired in those four minutes? I'll say it was definitely the biggest error of Brad Stevens' game calling. Um, obviously that opened up things for the Raptors to, uh, score a little bit easier, even though Cantor, to his credit, wasn't awful. Um, he just wasn't as good as Williams or Tice. Um, I do think that given the scenario, you're, you're, this is playoff basketball. And if you're going to run your guys out there upwards of 35, 40 minutes, I understand why some of those guys need a break, and the Celtics were playing with the cushion. They had a 2-0 lead. Um, it's the equivalent as if we put in Boucher, right? If we do that, it, it's kind of... We're obviously giving our big guys some rest. Um, yeah, I do think that the Raptors definitely capitalized on that, and thankfully so. Um, do I think that that's something that would have made or broke the game? No. Um, if the Celtics walked away from that, would I say the Raptors didn't do a good enough job taking advantage of that? No. Um, it's just sometimes you have to do those things if you want your guys to be well-rested and, and you know full of energy. So, yes, I do think that was Brad Stevens' biggest error, but I don't even necessarily blame him for making the call. And this is speaking as a Raptors fan. If I'm going to be objective about it, I do think it was the appropriate call to make. Rich, what do you think? I I mean, I'm I completely agree with Adam. I think Brad Stevens has done a great job this entire series, and he I was. Agree. I mean, one one buzzer beater away from being up three zero. When that's the case, I mean, you take you're it. doing a great job, and and like he's coaching against a very good Raptor team. Like even if the Raptors on down three and zero, they're still a really good team. They're just Boston just has would have been better in three of the three of the games, you know. Mm, right. So I mean, he's. Brad Stevens has been awesome. Like his team has been awesome defensively. Like there are many times where you're just like trying, ripping your hair out because 
the Celtics are just so disciplined defensively. They're they're switching everything correctly. They're not they're not they're I mean, especially in the first half, they were far more disciplined defensively than the Raptors were. Um, and then offensively, they the pick and roll is the most annoying thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. feel you. Well, I, yeah, I, I look to give credit. That, we look at we look at <laughs> we look at the starting lineup, right? We look at the fact that Marcus started this game, and to his credit, he played slightly better. I'm still disappointed in it, but also Serge was quite the liability today as well, minus a couple of big shots. Um, in terms of his his defense, he did sag a bunch, and he he, he was a little misplaced uh, at times. So I, I guess you just take with the continuity. You take what you can get with that, and you roll with it. I guess that's what Nick Nurse is thinking right now. Um, But Pascal Siakam with the highest plus-minus of a plus-12. And we, me specifically on the previous show, on your show, Connor, um, the Game 2 recap, I ripped into him hard. Um, And there was a lot of pushback on Twitter. I don't want to make, you know, I don't want this to be what it's about, but... um, I think it's fair to say that Pascal Siakam is maybe either shook in the moment, he's distracted, or maybe he's hurt, maybe he's dealing with something, I don't know. But we're not seeing the same sort of intensity from Pascal Siakam that we've seen in the regular season previously or before COVID, before the bubble. Um, Does this worry you heading into Game 4? Because look, I, I, I know we're riding high in this victory, but... You guys just mentioned it. The Celtics are so strong defensively. We can't let up. We have to keep pushing the intensity, and the margin for error is so slim that we need Pascal Siakam on his game. Connor, what do you think? Is this something that can be mitigated with the other players? Because to Kyle Lowry's credit, he played outstanding tonight. Outstanding. You need, yeah, well, and, and that's just it. Like, you need Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet to have great games in order to to mitigate a Pascal Siakam collapse. Like, he Mm. had two points at halftime. Um, He's only played well for two quarters of this series. Like, let's not get it twisted. Let's not have recency bias here. He's played well for two quarters out of 12. And that's that's not something that you expect or or hope for from a starting all-star player. Right. I, I obviously the playoffs in the moment things get elevated and escalated and heightened. We we understand that it's, there's there's more isolation. You're not playing as as many scrubs off the bench. It's a tighter rotation. Like guys are going to be more aggressive on you and have a better understanding of you in a seven game series. I completely get that. And to that, I have more leniency. So to to be where I'm at with Pascal Siakam, I just I think. I think Pascal is dealing with something, an injury or something. I think that he came back from his injury in the regular season and he hasn't been the same since. Like he's, I, I always felt like maybe he was just a step behind or he, he wasn't making the, the right decisions or maybe he's, maybe he's not going to spin move as much because something's bothering him. Like I, I haven't seen the spin move used as much. And I don't know if that's because guy, it's probably a, a combination of guys catching on to it. And just the fact that he's trying to do other things. So it's probably a combination of both. But I think that he needs to sort of... And, and, and again, if that if that's going to be, if it's an injury factor, 
be more of a distributor then. If if the guys are going to come to you, we've seen the Celtics defense collapse on yes. Pascal Siakam. Yes. Dish it out then. Be 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 aware that the attention is going to come to you. And if you're not fully confident in yourself or if you're not fully 100% healthy and think that you can make the same difficulty shot that you've done before, get it to the open guy. Be be that distraction. If Pascal Siakam makes, let's say, 10 points a game, let's just say he ended this game with 10 points, but they were an efficient 10 points and he wasn't making stupid mistakes and he was facilitating the play and he was letting basketball play through him, I would be a lot more happy than if he scored 20 points inefficiently right. with uh, making boneheaded decisions, right? Like we have, we have to understand the points aren't the be all end all. There's a lot more to analyze with Siakam. And right now he's just, for me, there's something that's happened between from the beginning of the year to his return from that injury that is not clicking yet. And, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's another trip to see Rico Hines. I don't know if it's a trip to see the doctor. Like, I don't, I don't know, but uh, he's something's got to click there for him to get back to where he was. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, I don't know. I don't know if it's an injury. Um, it's, I mean, it's tough to actually say if there is an injury it's for me. I think yeah, right. it just, it's difficult. First of for, for obviously one, you got to give credit to the Celtics. And I think they've also just, in the playoffs, teams have done more research than they do during the regular season. Like, every team knows what Pascal Siakam does on offense. The reason he's not getting that spin move off as often as he has in, this, in the regular season is because they're ready for it. They're closing in on, on Siakam, and they're collapsing on him. Like, what we saw today, especially in the second half, is when he gets the ball deep in the paint and he attacks right away, He's hard to stop, especially on a mismatch. Like there was one play where Kemba Walker was covering him, yes. and Pascal just abused him, you know. But then there's other times when he gets the ball, like kind of like at the elbow, and he starts backing guys in, and then everything slows down, and then a second second defender comes in, and then that's when, to Connor's point, you have to be able to kick the ball out. And I think just moving forward, if the Raptors carry the shooting, the second half shooting into game four, that just opens up the floor so much for this team. That means Pascal Siakam is going to have more room to to get things going. Marcus Gasol is going to have more room to get things going. OG can cut a little bit more. Norm Powell can cut a little bit more. It really just depends. It all starts with the Raptors hitting shots because that just opens everything up and it puts the, the Celtics defense on their toes. Yeah. So, yeah. That's you like know, Pascal and sorry one last thing yeah, yeah. Pascal Siakam was defensively like there were yes. plays where he was covering Jason Tatum and like he wasn't letting him do anything so we got to give credit to Siakam because like obviously we'd want him to score more especially more on a more efficient shooting percentage but he's stopping a borderline superstar on the other end of the floor and that's important too and 100% that, yeah 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 I look I, I know I ragged on him last show, and I'm sort of still maintaining that a little bit today despite the win. Um, I'm fully aware that the options you have to replace him off the bench are limited at best. At best. Um, there, there's not much production that you can have uh, off the bench that can sufficiently take over Pascal Siakam's uh, defensive capabilities. It just doesn't exist, really. Um, so I understand it's sort of mandatory to keep him on the floor, but when you start the first quarter with two or three quick fouls, there's a problem, right? And when you have a, a bullshit flagrant, you know, 
I understand it's a soft flagrant. It really was, but it, it was also an unnecessary foul, right? Grant Williams, was it Grant Williams or was it Robert? It, 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 Robert, yeah. One of the Williams. Yeah. It, <laughs> Williams. Too many of them to keep track of. Yeah, one of the Williams goes in for a slam. You just let it go. You just let that go. There's no need to follow on that. Now you're costing your team your fourth foul and you're, you're costing a challenge, right? It, it just doesn't make sense. I, I don't understand why uh, I, these boneheaded plays. Gadrich. I think that's more of just like it's a bang-bang play, just like Robert Williams cuts out of nowhere. Like keep, We got to remember that Pascal Siakam is still so new to basketball that while a guy like maybe Kyle Lowry, who has just such elite feel for the game, right, probably that foul. A guy like Pascal Siakam, who's still learning, who's still kind of raw, and gets by a lot of the times on his explosiveness, his high motor, and his athleticism. Like that kind of stuff is going to happen. You just gotta gotta learn from it, and you've got to move on and play through it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a massive dude jumping right at you. Yeah. I would have I would have done everything I could to not die. Yeah, but what you do is you back off, right? You don't you don't go to him and and put your hands on him for a foul when you know he's clearly going up. It's just a, there's no need. It's unnecessary. Now you're costing your team an extra point plus possession. What? All you need is three scoops of whey. That's and it. Then you're set. <laughs> like an analogy, I was gonna say is pretend we're playing basketball and I jumped right at you to go for a dunk. I'd run uh, away. And it's Connor who's jumping at you. Oh, like you, right. you'd be, ter- you'd be terrified, and you'll, you'll well, commit a. Fall. That's true. Connor's like seven, seven, eight, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not Taco Fall height, boys. <laughs> like, don't fucking come at me. All right, um, right? shit. All right. Well, look, I, I do want to touch on Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry had a fantastic game. He willed this team to victory today. Everything from the beginning possessions where he clearly took over on Raptors offense and scrappy as fuck on defense to the final possession of the uh, the inbound pass. It, it, Kyle Lowry was magnificent today, and I know he was cruising on five fouls with like six minutes left in the fourth quarter. That is some difficult things to tread right there. You don't. I do not want Kyle Lowry to ever be in a position with six minutes left in the fourth quarter in a close game to have five fouls. Um, but regardless... He's, he was magnificent today, and there's all this talk about playoff Lowry, choke artist. To me, this is playoff Lowry, right? Playing 46 minutes with 31 points, 6 boards, 8 assists. He was phenomenal tonight. I, I can't say enough. Rich, what do, you, what do you have to say about Kyle Lowry? Love Kyle Lowry so much. Yeah. He's everything I want children to be. <laughs> um, like, what pisses me off, and it's going to piss me off until the day I die, is how little credit Kyle Lowry gets. Mm. Like, he obviously, people are going to look at the box where they see 31 points. They're like, yeah, Kyle Lowry is awesome. But he just does so much on the court that doesn't come up on the box score. And he does that all the time. Like, whenever I check out, like, First Take or just American media, and they they just cry out about how Pascal Siakam is the best player on this team and a superstar. Like, that Kyle Lowry is one of the best players in the entire NBA. Yes. And, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Like, over the past decade, he's been one of the best players in the NBA. Mm. Like, if you just take away, like, the basic box score numbers and you look at, like, the analytics stats, like, this dude flies off the charts. He is so, so good. He does. He makes winning plays so often. 
and he get and like like that that final play, he was inbounding the ball. Taco falls at seven five. Yeah, covering him. He's Connor's and height. And he finds. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. And and somehow, like obviously, OG Ananobi had plenty of space to hit that shot because Jalen. I don't know what Jalen Brown was doing there, but to make that pass perfectly right yeah. into the hands of OG Ananobi is unbelievable. It's literally unbelievable. Like NFL quarterbacks trying to make that play. Josh Allen tries to make that play and barely ever no, does. No, 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 you no, watch no, your no. mouth. That's right, cut you, you off. Watch you watch your mouth. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> you, oh, yeah, you, you. You're done. You've had too much vodka, sir. You better oh, shut sorry. it. You watch your mouth. Um, here's here's the thing with Kyle Lowry. Like Rich, Rich is spot on, and I want to have a talk with the Kyle Lowry haters. I love doing these one on ones, and it's Kyle Lowry haters time. Listen. Oh yeah. We're gonna have a chitty. We're gonna have a chitty chat. I filled up my glass of wine. Me and you. We're gonna have a chitty chat. Okay. Your narrative is dead. Shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear it again. Kyle Lowry is a playoff choker. Doesn't exist. You want to go slander someone? Go slander fucking Pandemic P. Okay? Because pass, uh, because Paul George... Oh, I guess Pascal Siakam too. But Paul George sucks in the playoffs. He has sucked in the bubble. He does nothing for his team. He <laughs> is trash. And you wanted us to trade even, even I would take Pascal Siakam right now over uh, and his potential over what Paul George is giving you in the playoffs. I'm sorry, he is a choke. And you want to say Kyle Lowry is a choke? Well, guess what? Kyle Lowry going into this playoffs has the most clutch shots in the playoffs in the last five years with 14. Second is LeBron with 11, and third is KD with eight. He is dominating players in this category. And y'all have the fucking audacity to sit there and tell me he's a playoff choker. Shut up. Like, it's not a good narrative. It makes you look like a casual because you are a casual because you don't watch basketball. If you legitimately believe in this narrative, it is dead. It is done. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Yes, Rich, you're raising your hand like your world vision child. Yes, you're raising your hand. What's yeah. up? <laughs> a quick point. Um, last year in the first game of the playoffs, when the Raptors lost to DJ Augustine, Kyle Lowry was like a plus twelve in that game. He was he had the highest net rating in that entire game, and he had zero points. And like that alone should show you how good Kyle Lowry is, even when he doesn't score. That when he was on the court, not scoring a single point, going like zero for six or whatever he was, the Raptors still outscored the other team by twelve. Like yeah. find me another guy who can do that. Yeah, that's a, that's a rare breed. Yeah, he's, he's been he's been he's been the best point guard in the East, I think, this year. I think it's I think it's a fair argument. I think he's been the best point guard in the East. He's one of the top three to five point guards in the league for the last three to five years, and people don't want to recognize that because it's 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 not an American team, and I I get it because they're not watching the Raptors. But if you watch them closely, this team is fueled by Kyle Lowry. He is the engine that makes this train run the motor runs on Kyle Lowry if Kyle Lowry is off this team is not successful no matter how good Pascal or Fred Van Vliet are if Kyle Lowry is having an off game it's very difficult for them to win of course they can still win but it makes it a lot more challenging he is the motor that runs this team as of right now Kyle Lowry is the man I don't want to I don't want to hear this slander anymore it's dead it's done and I know it doesn't come from Toronto anymore but it comes from the rest of the league and I'm fucking sick of it man I'm done well here's a Here's here's a question for both of you guys. If Kyle Lowry wasn't was a lottery pick, 
and wasn't a late bloomer, would he be getting more attention now? Because like he kind of does similar things to what guys like Chris Paul do. Like obviously Chris Paul has been doing it for a lot longer, but they're the same. I mean, they're yeah, the same. Adam, Adam I haven't Adam I haven't really spoken, but uh, I'll let you take the floor. Sure, yeah. they're the same player, uh, <laughs> minus Chris Ball can dunk, I guess, in, in All Star games. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're they're basically the same player. They they play with the same intensity. Um, if they're not on your team, you sort of despise them, and if they're on your team, you love them. Um, it, yeah, I, I think that if he was a lottery player and he was this way from the jump, he probably probably would get a lot more credit. But I do think the fact that there was rumors about it, sort of the the initial impression there was uh, there were rumors about his bad attitude from the jump. Um, there yeah. were rumors about him uh, being sour coming into Toronto. So sort of that prima donna. Um, personality trait. Um, I don't know how true that was. I, I think he would admit that it sort of was when he was young. Um, but and then you compound that with the fact that he played for the Raptors, who are notoriously disrespected in the U.S. media. Um, it's a lose-lose situation for him. Bottom line is he's a champ. I don't think he gives a fuck anymore because he's a champ. Um, I, I think all that matters to him is let the the play and the numbers speak for himself, for themselves rather. And you know, for me. I know this might be a hot take. To me, he's a Hall of Famer. He might not be a first ballot oh, Hall of Famer right in the way, but that's I, not a hot take. That's yeah, not a hot he's take. he's a Hall of Famer Hall of for sure. And um, I, I know a lot of people don't like hearing that outside of Raptors fandom uh, because for some reason they feel like it's it's undeserving. But he is for certain a Hall of Famer. Do you guys remember what the Raptors gave up for Kyle Lowry? I don't. So I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 2013 or 2012. They gave up Gary Forbes and a first-round pick who ended up being Stephen Adams, I think. Okay. I'm gonna, yeah, that first, that first was Stephen Adams. You're right. You're right. Gonna, but, um, I'm going to that right now. That first was yeah. used in the trade to get James Harding, correct? Yeah, so July 11, 2012, the Rockets traded – Kyle Lowry to the Raptors for Gary Forbes and a 2013 first round pick, which ended up being Steven Adams. Okay. Fun. And then who would you, who would you rather have Steven Adams who played like absolute doo-doo in this round or Kyle Lowry? Kyle Depends. Lowry. <laughs> Depends. Depends. No, I don't know, Rich. It's gone. It's I, no, no slander. No, no, no. I have said wait, zero wait, slander. Wait, wait, wait. If I'm going into like a battle and I need someone with a spear, I'd rather have, like, Steven Adams with his no. mustache. No. Any other situation? No. One, no. no one respects Aquaman. Aquaman is the worst fucking superhero of all time, and that's what Steven Adams is. Steven Adams gets... Disrespect. He gets uh, nut-tapped so much in the playoffs randomly, <laughs> it's not funny. His man parts are a liability, for sure. Even Kyle Lowry got up like a champ today. <laughs> Fair. Look, in like the defense of everyone who nut taps Stephen Adams, Stephen Adams probably sets the hardest screens in the NBA. I punch his nut so hard. Yes, but I, he's he's but out that, for multiple games as a result. <laughs> uh, All right, look, uh, let, let's. I, I do want to sort of wrap this up, but we can't without talking about OG and Anobi because you know all we've been talking about is the final shot. I just talked up 
Kyle Lowry and how magnificent he was for the third game in a row. OG Ananobi has been phenomenal. He is still the one guy consistently that I want to see with the ball in his hands on offense. I cannot say anything bad about his game tonight. He defended so well. He was such an incredible defender tonight. Offensively, he was reliable. He was precise. He was determined. Everything about his game tonight was magnificent. Tap, topping it off with the cherry on top with the three-point shot to end the game. Rich, you were talking about OG in the in the DMs that we got. Speak more. Go ahead. Well, first off, he's already a top five perimeter defender in basketball. And his, like, we can call this his second season because last year he was injured a ton. And you also got to give credit to the Raptors, like, development system for what they've been able to do with, with OG Ananobi. Like, he's been growing so much as, yeah. from his time as a rookie. Like, he can shoot now. He's a good shooter. And, like, he can cut very well now. He finishes through contact at the basket, something he did in Indiana. But, like, he's doing it a lot better now. And I think, like, you see how quickly he's growing. I think the next step for him is being able to more consistently put the ball on the floor. And I think it's going to come for him. Um, but, like, you can see the strides he makes. Like, these three games is just, like, a testament of the work that he's put in, the work that the organization have put in, into player development. Like, OG Ananobi is legit. Like, he's already an elite offensive player. So, like, once he starts to get more comfortable, get more aggressive. Like sometimes he tends to be a little passive, but when he's aggressive and when he's like learns how to put the ball on the floor, Oh man, he's going to be so good. Like, uh, yeah. why can't he be Kawhi? This is Kawhi's development. So, he doesn't have the handles. So here, so here's the thing. Kawhi didn't either. And when, when OG first got drafted, the, the comparable was like his ceiling could be Kawhi and nobody was saying he was going to be Kawhi, but he had, the same type of game as Kawhi, especially when he was drafted, they were they had the same type of of uh, profile coming coming out of college and the same sort of you know game style where it's focused on defense, but can potentially down the road stretch the floor and um, and give you those those opportunities. And I always said, and this was before Kawhi Leonard even got traded to the Raptors. I was like, if there's some way that OG could even in the offseason train with Kawhi Leonard, Ooh. it would it would be leaps, it would it would be leaps and bounds towards his development system. Yeah. Lo and behold, what does Masai Ujiri do by trading for Kawhi Leonard? The biggest beneficiary of that trade was OG Ananobi. Because that was his trajectory, like Richard has said. It's his trajectory, and, and and they're following a similar path. And I'm not claiming that OG is going to be Kawhi Leonard. I think Kawhi is a specimen, and I don't know if anybody can ever reach those heights. Nor should we. Nor is it fair to peg OG as the next Kawhi Leonard. I think that's absurd, mm -hmm. to be completely honest. But if OG, but by training with Kawhi Leonard for a year learns a thing or two, and you know Kawhi Leonard was working with him. You could see it throughout the course of the year when he was healthy, and now even into this year. You see a lot of things that Kawhi did that are starting to seep into OG's game. And that acquisition, to me, for OG Ananobi was super important. And I think that it's going to translate really well, and he could be a Kawhi light 
mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. he 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 I'll could be like that. And you know what? If he is fucking three quarters of a Kawhi Leonard, I mm-hmm. will take that one thousand percent and run because. To me, that when when you first drafted OG, obviously he was coming off of injury. Um, mm-hmm. There were there was those question marks of what he could develop into. If yeah. you said to me he could be three quarters of a Kawhi Leonard, you take that and run, and you don't ever think twice about it. So um, I'm incredibly impressed with how he's developed. Um, and there's a lot of parallels here to what Adam and I were speaking on towards the beginning of the year, where OG wasn't performing great. We said. Um, OG to us was available on the trading block. We would have put him there saying that we love OG Anobi. We love him, but if the price is right and the GM is making an offer you can't refuse, you throw him in a package. I think that there's a lot of these parallels now coming around with Pascal Siakam, where people are saying, like, like I love Pascal Siakam, but I can be critical of him. And if there was the right trade to come about, like I might pull the trigger if it involved Pascal Siakam, but I wouldn't trade him just for the sake of trading him. Like it would have to be something to blow my socks off. Right. But I believe, I believed in OJ and and he's showing me why I believed in him. I believe in Pascal Siakam and he's showing me why I believe in like, I, I, and I believe that he's going to show me why I believe in him. So um, he's going through a rough patch right now, and I still believe in him. But I can, but we can all still be critical of Pascal Siakam, and I think that's what it comes back around to. We don't hate Pascal, we love Pascal, and I'm looping this back around to him. But we can still be critical of him, especially when he's due to make max money and he was an All Star starter. So mm-hmm. I kind of, kind of tie the two together. And I, I like I it. Thought, I thought that it was good parallels. I yeah. appreciate it. And look, it's. We don't have to focus too much on on Pascal. I, I think you you summed it up perfectly with the OG comparison there. But um, you know, getting back to how well OG performed right now, um, you know, I talked a lot about Fred VanVleet needing to be on this team long term. Um, I just don't, I, and I'm not basing this on one play. I'm, I'm basing this on the conglomerate of the playoff uh, performance that OG has had. He he's the priority right now for me. He is absolutely the priority. Um, it. I'm not saying give him a max. He's definitely not worth the max right now, but he's definitely worth the security of having him for the next three, four years, if you can. Um, if you can sign him to a sweet deal, I do it because I think you're right that he's just going to get better, at least defensively. Offensively, his game's a little choppy. It's a little sloppy. Um, I, I don't trust the dribble drives. I really don't. Much to the same way. I don't trust Pascal Siakam, but I will say Pascal Siakam's as much as I gave him shit about his handles on the last show. I trust his handles more than OG. Um, it, OG, <laughs> it, it, if you're going to dribble, it's got to be in very short space to the basket. It can't be from from the the top of the perimeter. So, um, well, good. If I, if I can say something real quick, I think that's where you have to trust the Raptors' player development, which has shown so many times in the past that it's elite, right? Like when Pascal Siakam came into the NBA. You couldn't put the ball on the floor. He was horrible offensively. Like his defensive game was very good as a rookie. And you can and like if you watch tape from back then, his offensive game was just so far behind what it is now. Right. And like slowly he's showing that he's able to put the ball on the floor. Obviously he's not elite at it right now, but he is far better now than what he was. Same thing with OG Ananobi. Like there's like you can see how every single season there's something new in his game. And while the defense is like top-notch elite, I will 
die on his island. Like the offensive game is like starting to come, and like that, and I like I believe in like OG. Like the big thing with him is he has the physical profile that not many guys have, and you just you can't like that's something like God given, and like it's his, and like you can match that, you know. Like he's six seven, six eight. He's jacked as shit. He's long. He's athletic. Like at that point, like you can. There's so much more there. Like he's going to keep getting better, and I'm so excited for it. The physical like, profile is great, and it, it, we can we can harp on that all day. But it's the mental profile that I am way more impressed with. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So here's here's the thing with OG, and you kind of talked about his ball handling, and and like I get it. But if you think about OG and OB, for me, when I think about him, I think of his offensive game in two areas: the three point, and when he cuts and and is like right under the basket. Yes. And for me. And I know Rich is going to agree with me. Those are the two most efficient shots in basketball, right? Uh, and, and yeah, I see you nodding. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so fuck the mid-range. I don't think, I can't remember the last time OG and Obi's taken a mid-range. So for me, I am excited. I see him taking effective, efficient shots. And his his movement without the ball is fantastic for his for, for his development, for where he's at. I think mm-hmm. that his IQ is top-notch considering where he's come from. I think that um, his spacing with without the ball is great. I think his spacing with the ball is good. Um, I do agree his handles aren't great, but if he's going to continue living either beyond the arc or right under the basket, then that's a situation where you only need him to take one or two dribbles, and that's it. So... Um, yeah, I, I agree. I actually do prefer Pascal Siakam's ball handles over OG and Obi. But at the end of the day, if OG is making smarter shot selection choices than Pascal Siakam, which I would think that he is actually in this series, then he doesn't need to rely on the ball handling. He doesn't need to rely on his dribbling because he's creating the points for him and he's doing what Pascal did before, which is letting the game come to him which is what Pascal needs to do. I, I keep fucking tying Pascal on this, and I'm realizing it's pissing me off, but, like, <laughs> whatever. OG, oh, <laughs> unintentionally. But, like, look, OG has been impressing me incredibly, and um, like Rich, I'm super excited to see his development. Um, mm-hmm. I think it can. It's the trajectory can be incredible working with this player development system. It's one of the best in the league for a, for a big reason, and we're seeing it yet again with OG and Anobi. Yeah, he just 23. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Like, oh, wait. Yeah, is, I think in in uh, with with a lot of like people, that's probably like old now. He should he should be a lot better than what he is. So like, we should probably oh, trade no. him. No, <laughs> no. He's good. Queen, I'm he's kidding. Good. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Before before anybody on the listening to the podcast, like, is like, you're a fucking idiot. No, I'm kidding. No, no. All right. Um, let's put a bow on it. Look, last last show on the TSV podcast, we were talking about how, or at least I was, I was saying the Raptors have a non-zero chance, non-zero percent chance to win this series. Um, I'm still going to harp on that. Uh, I'm still terrified of the Celtics defense. I'm not going to take anything away. They're still playing phenomenally. They have not let off. I have not seen any sense of letting off the gas when it comes to Celtics. But your hope is, is that the longer this go, the longer this goes, Connor, you said it after the game one, the regression to the mean happens. Celtics get tired, the Raptors start to get hot. You you hope that to happen. This is a very small sample size. Seven games is not a long sample size. You hope this happens. And if it does, that's going to benefit the Raptors, right? 
I'd rather be the team that finishes strong than start strong in a series. Because if you finish strong, chances are you have a better chance to win the series. Um, but I still think this goes seven. I'm still calling it seven. Connor, I know you said six. That's bold. Uh, I'm sure you probably want to walk that back. Uh, so why don't you go first? Are you sticking with six or are you going to go seven? My, excuse me, sir. Might <laughs> I have an opportunity to walk that back, please? <laughs> because... Because, look, I'm, I am I said this when uh, right before we recorded with Adam. Um, watching this game and as incredibly excited as it was about that shot, um, while it was a it was the the game to win and you need to win it in order to stay alive in this series, to be honest, and no team has ever come back down three nothing in an NBA best of seven series. Um what I saw from the Raptors and what I saw from the Celtics actually like I came into this game quite confident to be completely honest. Like I thought the Raptors would maybe by like 10, I thought it was going to be an assertive performance from the Raptors. And every time the Raptors seemed to go on this run, the Celtics were right there and we could never get any separation from this team. And they're like an annoying fucking nap. Yeah. Get out of here. Fuck you. Anyways, I'm I'm starting to realize now that you will never get that separation with the Celtics team. I don't with, with with this Raptors regime, I don't think it can happen. And for me, that worries me a bit because I think that that means that the that the Celtics can take a game in a in in late game, they have closers that they can do it with, right? Like they have Tatum or Walker or Brown. Those would be their three closers for me and I think that they're all efficient enough to do it um the Raptors have closers too to an extent we just haven't really fully seen it yet but um I'm I'm I, I'll still ride with my boys like I'll say Raptors but it, it's gonna be in seven like this is gonna go seven if the Raptors are gonna win this um the Celtics have another game in them which they can pull out um I don't think that they will get reverse swept here in, in, a, in a circumstance even though it's only two game win I don't think they'll I don't think they'll lose four in a row. Um, so if the Raptors take this, it'll be in seven and, and call me a Raptors homer or whatever. I, I still, there, there's been two incredibly close games and this could be two, one Raptors. Um, so I kind of lean on that a bit to say that the Raptors could still win this series. Um, I'll take Raptors in seven, but I will, I'll, I'll push it to seven because look, I'm not as confident as I was going into this game. Just, it, it just is what it is. Rich, what say you? Um, I'm super curious to see how the Celtics respond after losing like that in game four. Um, but I also feel like we're about to see like a complete Raptor game in game four. Maybe I, that's just hopeful thinking, but I feel like game four, the Raptors are going to kind of break out and tie the series up. But I, I said Raptors in six before. I'm just going to roll with it because who the fuck cares? <laughs> roll with a Canadian sweep. We gave them the first two. We take the next four. It's in, our it's in our DNA. All right. All right. Well, this was a must win by the Raptors. Uh, it came down to the wire literally less than a second to win this game. So uh, if that doesn't give you confidence that they can stay in these games and remain in it when other players aren't really performing that well, if things get better, if Gasol can just play maybe 2% better, if Fred Van Vliet can find just a, maybe a foot of space, uh, anything can happen. So 
I'm I'm still gonna go seven games Raptors. Um, I understand why you walked that back, Connor. Uh, that, truth be told, if I said Raptors in six, I would have walked it back too. But I'm gonna go Raptors in seven. Um, let's see what happens. Game four is on. Was it Saturday at six thirty? Um, no, no post game, right? Well, I I will be uh, I will be up at. You'll a, be away. Like, Rich, you want to uh, do a post game? I, I will be I will be away. Uh, yes. Depending on what Saturday night brings. All right. Well, if Rich is oh, around, oh, he's, he's he's gonna be mixing that vodka and way in there. All right. He's gonna be uh, KO'd by I'll, the time the Raptors game starts. I will say I will turn down plans with just about anybody in the world right now. So I'll keep you posted. All right. Keep me posted. Uh, we may have a, a post game on Saturday. Um, if not, you know why. Uh, you, no one wants to hear me talk by myself. So having said that, uh, let's wrap it up. Rich, why don't you go first where people can find you and uh, promote your shit. Go ahead. Awesome. Well, again, this was so much better than last time. Um, you guys can find yeah, me at... Fuck, fuck, the, fuck the TSV podcast. That episode <laughs> sucked. <laughs> horrible, horrible episode. That was so <laughs> Um you guys can find me at, at Richard Burfs. I have a podcast. It's at Pick and Pod. We just released a new episode this morning where we talked about what the Raptors can do to win this series. Uh, this was not discussed, but it was a fun episode. Check that out. Again, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, this was a blast. Good, Connor. Um, I want to say two things. One, we will have a game five, and... Um, I will be available for that post game. So right. uh, if y'all are if y'all are depressed as fuck that we don't get a game for a post game, don't worry. This beautiful face and well, I guess you can't see my face and voice will be back for game five, depending on the schedule of of one Mr. Mr. Richard Burfer. We might have the the trio again, depending. Um, you can find me on Twitter at to underscore sports views. Uh, my personal Twitter at Connor Chambers. I'm sure um, Adam will put it in the description. But that's where I'm most active. You can follow me uh, on the on my podcast as Adam has so graciously um, linked in in everything here. It's the TSV podcast. He's kind of plugged it, which is fantastic. Um, one note for you Raptors fans that want to remain optimistic: Game Three against the Milwaukee Bucks went into double overtime. Uh, it was a it was a close game. And it was one that actually really didn't give me hope that the Raptors still could win the series. It just gave me hope that they could make it a series. And what did they do? They won in six. Not saying the Raptors can do that this time, but if any team has the DNA to do it, it's this team. So you got to roll with them. You still got to believe. Um, I'm, I'm excited for what the next few games are going to bring. This series is going to be a fucking grinded out series and I think that if the Raptors somehow end up making the NBA finals I think that this will be the toughest series that they face I just I will throw it out there I think that this is the toughest opponent that they will face even if they face one of Milwaukee or Miami which I still think is Miami I called that on uh, the South of the Six episode that Miami would beat Milwaukee and um, the Clippers because the Clippers are going to win the West um, I think that the Ra- the Raptors will have the, the most difficult time against Boston Celtics team. That's okay. just me. All right, all right. Well, we got to get there first. Let's beat the Celtics. Let's let's take this all the way. If it, if it can happen in four, that I mean six rather, that's great. I still say seven. So until next time, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for hopping on and uh, take it easy. Cheers. 
Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Raptors.